Are you going to be teaching kindergarten next year for the first time, or do you know someone who is? Teaching kindergarten for the first time can be overwhelming, and maybe you're feeling unsure of where to start. Well, look no further. I have the ultimate survival guide for new kindergarten teachers. I created it based on all the things that you need to rock teaching kindergarten next year. All the things I wish I had known as a brand new kindergarten teacher. Get your mindset ready to tackle the challenges of kindergarten, learn how to set up your classroom for success, and master key strategies for teaching effectively. Plus, prepare for the first week of school like a pro. Don't miss out on this free guide, and please share it with your new teammates and friends who are moving to kindergarten next year. Get ready to embark on an incredible journey in kindergarten education with me as your virtual teammate cheering you on. Download the free guide today at www.kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. That's kindergartencafe.org slash new dash teacher. Welcome to the kindergarten team. Hey, teacher friends. It's Zipa from Kindergarten Cafe. And today I would love to talk to you about how to work smarter, not harder when it comes to math intervention with our kindergarten students. This would also be relevant for kindergarten, first and second grade. Math intervention is something that we definitely need to be always thinking about. We want to think about how best to support the needs of our students. And if kids are missing important skills, then we need to take the time to work with them in small groups and help them learn the skills that they're missing so that they can be on target with the rest of the grade, with the grade level expectations. So with that in mind, that we want to be doing math intervention for our students that are missing critical skills in their math understanding, how can we as teachers work smarter, not harder when providing that math intervention and still seeing our students be successful and making progress? I've got you covered in today's episode. You're listening to the Kindergarten Cafe Podcast, where kindergarten teachers come to learn classroom-tested tips and tricks and teaching ideas they can use in their classroom right away. I'm Zeba, creator and founder of Kindergarten Cafe, and I help kindergarten teachers with everything they need from arrival to dismissal in order to save time, work smarter, not harder, and support students with engaging and purposeful lessons. I'm here to cheer you on through your successes and breakthroughs and offer support and resources so you never have to feel stuck or alone. Ready to start saving time and reducing your stress all while using effective and purposeful lessons that students love? Let's get started. Okay, so first let's talk about the tools that we want to have at the ready for providing math intervention. I love having a bin right by my small group table with all the math tools I could need for my small groups so that when I pull a small group, when I pull an intervention group for students, I don't need to go digging around and finding what I need. I have everything right then and there. One of the things that I always make sure I have nearby is various counters to practice counting. That is a huge skill in kindergarten. And if kids have not met the standards for counting for what we expect for counting, then we need to work with them so that they can build up their counting knowledge and their counting skills. And if you're looking for more help on counting, I have a previous podcast episode we'll link below on teaching kids exactly that. 
but I love to have different things for the kids to count in boxes right nearby my small group table. Because while every day in my small group, we'll work on counting and it's the same sort of activity, same sort of skill, I can change out the counters, the things that they're counting to keep it a little bit more engaging and interesting for the students. So it's not just the exact same thing every single day. That being said, though, students really do benefit from routine. And so it is okay to do the same activities every single day. And if they're good activities, targeted activities for the skill that the kids are working on, then I think you should do them every single day because the kids benefit from having time to practice those activities and the skills over and over and over again without having to learn a new activity. And while it might get boring for us teachers, it actually doesn't get boring for the kids. But if you are getting bored, you can always switch out the counters, the things that they're counting with these different counting tools that is so great to have right by your small group table. I'm doing, you know, I pick out things like little beads or thematic objects you could pull out by the seasons, some snowflakes or some ghosts, flowers, um, mini erasers that work great for this, just different objects that I think the kids might enjoy counting. I have a little set of superheroes or dinosaurs because sometimes the kids that have trouble counting occasionally are reluctant to count. And so having something that they're interested in counting makes it a bit more engaging for them. I also have some standard tools nearby because I use them for lots of different activities and different routines. So I always have a set of Unifix cubes and I always have a set of two-sided counters that you can use for bingo, uh, different roll and cover kinds of games like that. And I use these in my literacy groups as well for some phonics activities, these two-sided counters. So it's just a really good thing to have nearby. I guess some people might call them bingo chips. I don't know. I call them two-sided counters. They're red and yellow. You know what I'm talking about. And then definitely have a ton of different cards that I use that show the numbers in maybe groups one to 10. And then I have T number cards, and then I'll have number cards that show higher numbers. I'll have cards that show the numbers in different ways that work on supertizing. So I have a bunch of different sets right there that I can grab and use for whatever activity I'm doing. I also like to have tools available to help students with learning different skills or participating in different activities. If I can provide a tool to help accommodate, to help them as they're learning a skill, and then eventually take those tools away when they're no longer needed, I want to be able to have those tools right nearby. So an example of that would be having a number line to help students with counting, addition, subtraction, but also with number order and number writing, just to help them see which way the numbers go. Number lines can be used for so many different things. And I love to have empty 10 frames available so that I can use it when teaching kids about counting, adding, subtracting. We just use those 10 frames all the time, helping understand, you know, number sense for the different numbers. And I like to have different cups or bags that I can use to help keep counters organized, just some empty containers that that I can use in the groups. Another small group go-to tool are whiteboards and whiteboard markers and erasers. Just to have those nearby, you just never know when you might want to use it in, as a visual for the students 
or when you might want to have the students practice on the whiteboards. There's so many different ways that you can use them in small groups. So it's great to have them nearby. So you don't have to say, oh, wait, let's go walk over to the whiteboard area and let's go get our whiteboards. No, you have them right there. Have a stash for just your small group, four or five, right in your small group area. And definitely lots of dry erase markers, especially if you're going to use laminated activities, then you'll use those dry erase markers all the time. Or if you don't want to laminate, put them in the dry erase pocket sheet. That way you don't have to keep making copies and the kids can practice over and over and over again. Another thing that I've noticed kids often have challenges with are recognizing the difference between numbers. So I might have a set of visual numbers for the kids. So when they're working, I can show them Specifically, I've noticed for the numbers 12 and 20, kids really benefit from having a visual example because they get those confused. And so that's what I've noticed with my kids. But if you notice your kids mixing up six and nine, maybe, or whatever it might be, or if there's a number they always forget when they're counting, have that number written on a post-it note, have it nearby so you can pull it out and point to it as a visual cue, a visual reminder for the kids when they're working with you. And we always need dice for different activities. So I have a stash right there at my small group area. So those are the tools that I want to make sure I always have nearby me because I want to be able to grab them for whatever activity I'm I'm doing. But now I want to talk about how I organize my different activities for for my interventions and my small groups. So I like to organize my activities by the targeted skill that they focus on. So I have a bag on counting activities. I have a bag on supertizing, a bag on one more, a bag on one less, a bag on addition, subtraction, all those things. And I keep my activities together grouped by skill so that when I pull a small group and I go, oh, these children need to work on team number identification, I'm going to grab the team number bag and pull out the activity that I need and I'm good to go. It saves me so much time to have all of my materials in those bags grouped by the skill and to correlate that with the small groups I pull are targeted for specific skills. They are skill-based small groups. That's not just, oh, these kids are below, I'm going to put them together. No, it's I know these kids are put together in a group because they all struggle with counting to 20, whatever it may be. And talking about how I group my students and how I choose which students I'm working with, uh, I want to point in the direction of a previous podcast episodes on tracking student progress. That goes into all the details of how I assess students, track students' progress, and group students in small groups and intervention groups. When I'm working with my math small groups, I get into a routine with them of teaching the skill or telling them what the skill is that we want to practice today, modeling that for them and whatever sort of activity we're going to be doing, and then giving them a chance to practice it. So sort of a routine of teach, model, practice. And I use these in other small groups as well. So the kids get very familiar with this routine with um, me explaining the purpose of the small group, what the skill is we're going to work on, me showing them what we're going to do to practice it, and then giving them chance to practice. And I really want the bulk of my small group with them to be them practicing because there's only, let's say, between one to four students in a small group, ideally, maybe five, but ideally between one and four. And you can really use this time to closely observe and coach into them as they're working 
and supporting them through any misunderstandings, mistakes, guiding them through that practice. So having them have the chance to practice, I think, is more valuable than you talking at them for a long time about the skill. I definitely have a balance in my small groups where I take time to observe the students when they're practicing and intervening when necessary. So I want to intervene and coach them while they're practicing so that they can learn the important skills. But I also want to give them a chance to have some struggle to have them work through the problems that's in front of them. Because that struggle, making a mistake, figuring out that they made a mistake and trying to fix it themselves, that's really valuable learning. Struggling through a problem and not giving up, that's really valuable learning. So it's a fine line of like constantly intervening. I don't want to do that, but intervening when it's necessary. I want to give students a chance to try it out themselves and work through the problems themselves. But I'm right there if it gets to be too hard, if it gets to be that they don't notice they made a mistake and they're just moving on. Those are the times when I definitely want to intervene. So when I know that I have a math intervention group on, let's say, counting to 10, I have a group of three students that have that struggle with counting to 10. I take my counting activities that I know I'm going to work with them on out of the bag from the counting activities bag, and I get the tools that I know I'm going to use, such as the counters or the 10 frames, and I put those in a basket. And I keep one basket by my small group area. I have a big bookshelf behind my small group area with several different uh, cubes of the IKEA, the classic IKEA shelves uh, is what I think about them. They are just a bunch of cubes. Anyway, so one of those cubes is designated, has a basket designated for my math intervention group with everything that I know I'll need to use with my students. And so when I call them over for our intervention, which we do every day at the same time, I have everything I need in the basket. I pull out the basket grab it and we're good to go. Working smarter, not harder. Then when this group is ready to move on to other activities, maybe higher numbers, I can change out some of the activities if needed or and switch out the activity bags with a different skill area maybe. But everything is all right there. I don't have to go digging for it. I don't have to go recreating the wheel. Everything I need to work in my small groups is right in my small group area. And that definitely helps me to be prepared for my students and not staying at school till 6 p.m. every day trying to think of new activities to do with them. And like I said before, there is a benefit in doing the same activities repeatedly for students to give them a chance to really focus on the skill that they're practicing and not are they learning how to do the activity each time. So repeating activities is actually beneficial for students. Okay, so I think we'll do the quote of the day now. I asked a student, how did you know it was four? And the child answered, because the learning ghost told me. I would love to know more about that learning ghost. (laughs) So thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or want to just let me know that you enjoyed the episode, send me a message on Instagram. The code word we can use today is math intervention. That's two words, I know, but that's okay. And I'd love to hear what you thought about the episode, if it helped you work smarter, not harder. And please consider leaving a review. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Kindergarten Cafe podcast. 
Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and resources, or just head straight to kindergartencafe.org for all the goodies. If you liked this episode, the best ways to show your support are to subscribe, leave a review, or send it to a friend. I'll be back next week with even more kindergarten tips. See you then.